0: This year's Unforgettable series has been fantastic so far and I have to tell you this weekend is going to be no different. We have a very gifted communicator here for the very first time at Northridge. His name's David Nasser. He's of Iranian descent. His family was forced to leave when he was nine years old and had a hard time finding himself here in this culture and actually went about it in all the wrong ways and finally discovered Christ because of a wonderful believing community when he was 18 years old. Because of his personal story, he has a passion to reach people today in this very unique culture of ours with the truth of Jesus Christ. He started an outreach ministry and was a lead pastor near Birmingham, Alabama for a while, but now he's at Liberty University as the spiritual program director. He's responsible for leading the largest weekly gathering of young people for spiritual reasons in the nation. And I'm just so excited to have him here at Northridge Church. I hope right now you'll give David Nasser. A warm Northridge welcome. Hey. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Wow.
1: Wow, wow, wow. How how can I just uh, absolutely describe, like, just being a part of this? If you're visiting for the very first time this incredible church, I hope you have felt as welcome as I have just in the last hour that I've been here. I showed up with a uh, different shirt and it was a little wrinkled, and this precious lady somehow ironed my shirt. I asked, I'm not kidding. I asked for, uh, just a very specific kind of, uh, energy drink that they didn't have on campus. And somebody went off campus and got it for me. And then I just started like randomly just shooting out like just, just, you know, crazy, re- just requests. And, and they were just meeting it one after another. And I'm just, I'm just telling you already, I've just sensed, uh, from the incredible set that is absolutely unforgettable, uh, down to the anointed worship team, down to, Just everything about this gathering, from our creative director side all the way down to those who host, uh, that this is one of the great churches on the planet. And it is just a a humbling honor to get to be here uh, and just to get to to open up God's word with you. Uh, Like Pastor Brad was saying, um, I serve at Liberty University. The fancy title is Senior Vice President of Spiritual Development, which is kind of crazy. I know that sounds really impressive. Uh, If it doesn't, it should. Senior Vice President. Of spiritual development, but uh, the, the weird part of that is I never even went to college. You know, I never finished college. So apparently, if you are a teenager at whatever campus, by the way, we want to welcome all our different campuses. The you know the Gross Ill campus, the Saline campus, the Brighton campus, the online campus. Every three weeks, you, you're starting another campus, and so all those campuses. But but if you are, I, I want you to know that uh, at, on all different campuses, we probably have some seniors in high school thinking about where to go to college. Save your Money. You don't have to go to college. You can become the vice president of the world's largest Christian university and never have finished college. Don't clap for that. Don't encourage it. But if you're gonna spend your money on a college, I recommend Liberty University, I really do. And uh, it is just great to be with you. I, I have not met Pastor Brad yet, but I've just already fallen in love with him. Just being on the phone with him a few weeks ago, just talking through uh, this particular series, hearing his heart for you, not just his heart for this series, but his heart for his people, for his flock, hearing his passion for you uh, was just contagious. And honestly, I got off the phone and about 10 minutes later, my wife and I were talking, and I, and I told her, I said, I just, I feel like I got off the phone with someone that, I, uh, that I've kind of known all my life, even though we've never met. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but man, how, how blessed you are to have such a great servant uh, and, and such a great leader. Um, we have been in the series uh, called Unforgettable, and we've been unpacking this idea of, of um, these moments that leave us never the same, right? These moments that, that mark us forever, these moments that uh, might be devastating, or these moments that might be traumatic, good or bad, that change the very trajectory of our lives, and, and we call them unforgettable moments. And uh, if, if we could tonight, uh, and, and th- today, all through this weekend in our different campuses, I- I'd love for us to just unpack uh, uh, one particular unforgettable moment in the life uh, of a guy in Scripture by the name of Isaiah. So, if you have your Bibles and you want to go with me, there, we're going to look at a place in Isaiah's life where he has an unforgettable moment that marks him forever. And um, and as we look at it and we study it, I really think that what's going to happen here in the life of this man, the, the guy we call the Shakespeare of the Bible one of the most articulate people uh, on the history of the planet, is the very same thing that God wants to do in our lives when we have unforgettable moments as well. And and, and I want to build the whole thing around just this one sentence for us on all all different campuses if we could today. Uh, I want to build it around this reality that unforgettable moments with God leave us, leave us, in a place where we become unstoppable for God. That those of us who've ever had an unforgettable moment end up becoming a, a piece of, of God's history, end up becoming a part of God's story where when, because we've had an unforgettable moment, we become a part of an unstoppable movement. And I want us to look at that as we look at the, the, the study of, of this guy's name, I mean this guy named Isaiah's life. Um, now, most theologians believe, uh, as we look at this passage, that we're reading about 18 to 20 years post the moment that, that this particular encounter happened uh, in the life of Isaiah, him journaling about it. So you and I are getting to read out of his diary. Well, not diary because he's a man, journal, all right? So we're getting to read out of Isaiah's journal here. And uh, and, and what's interesting is that, uh, again, this is about almost 20 years post the moment that it happened. But because it is unforgettable, because it is marked him, he remembers crazy details about that moment as if it happened yesterday. You know what I mean when I say that? Do You know what I mean when I say something can happen to you that is so unforgettable that you remember all kinds of crazy details about it, even though decades might even pass. Some of you remember exactly what you were wearing, exactly what you were eating, exactly where you were when September 11th happened. I know every year we have that date called September 11th, but you know exactly what I mean, right? When I say, where were you when you found out that we were attacked? When were you? I uh, know what were you doing? I remember. I, I remember. I got in my pickup truck, and I am from Iran. All right. So if you're going Iranians drive pickup trucks, I, I've always been from the south. Even when I was in Iran, I was from South Iran. So I got a little redneck in me. And so uh, I had just flown in that morning. I got in my pickup truck. I was listening to country music. I'll just I'll confess it. All right. Uh, it wasn't Casting Crowns or some Christians. I was listening to country music, and it wasn't really country music. It was Keith Urban, which which they interrupted in the middle. Of the, if they're going to interrupt, they never interrupt real country like George Strait, but if you're going to interrupt, it's fine. Keith Urban doesn't even count, all right? So they interrupt his song, and they come on, and they said, folks, we're sorry to interrupt, but we need to tell you, America is under attack. And they they said on on the radio that the airplane had had hit the first tower, and and in that very moment, I'm sorry, the second tower, and in that very moment, I remember just at that very second, this having my life marked, it was an unforgettable moment in my life. I listened closely, and then I turned the radio down. I called my wife. She was already crying. I got to, the, I got to the, our home, and, and when I got there, everybody was, was just kind of circled around the TV. Our house smelled like pot roast. I remember almost every time I ever smelled pot roast, I think about that moment. And some of you know what I'm talking about when I say you can go years and years past the moment and you remember, you remember your wedding day, you remember the smells of that day, you remember that it rained or you remember certain things. Some of you remember older people when Elvis died. Some of you older, older people remember when it wouldn't stop raining and, and, and this guy was building an ark. Or <laughs> some of you really, really, really older people remember when you used to beat Ohio State or whatever that means. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you cannot send me back to Iran. I am here legally. I just want you to know that before we go any further. But, but, oh, I just want you to know before we go any further, I, I love Michigan. I love Michigan State, not because I love them, but because I'm an Alabama fan. And we join you people in Michigan in, in hating Ohio State in a sinful nature. We just join you in, in celebrating. The wrath of God being imputed on that team next year. (laughs) Y'all are horrible. You're just not not good for me. But you remember, right? You remember certain moments in your life, and and they leave you never the same. And, And Isaiah, don't miss this, Isaiah is looking back. And as he's looking back 20 years post, he remembers exactly when it was. Let's just read together. Isaiah says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. It was in that year. Now, here's the application of that. The application of that is that the most unforgettable moment in the life of this man happens in the very middle of a moment where he must have felt like, I would like to forget this moment right off the bat. This was not a great moment. When we hear in the year King Uzziah died, we're not hearing a moment where this guy named Isaiah was praying for the death of a king, was praying for oppression to stop. Isaiah loved Uzziah. Isaiah has, has, had a friend in Uzziah. Isaiah was, was serving under a king who was very popular by all people. It wasn't like Uzziah started this thing called Uzziah Care and some people weren't into it. I'm just telling you, everybody loved Uzziah. And it was, a, it was a moment where the entire nation was in mourning. It was a moment where everything was, a, was at a place where nobody wanted to remember. It was very much a moment of lament. And it was in that moment of lament that God does the most unforgettable thing in the life of this man. Look at me. Here's the application. So many times in our lives, we think the most unforgettable moments are going to happen on the mountaintop. But honestly, God just brings unforgettable moments in the very moments where we feel like he's already forgotten us. So many times we feel like, man, I am going through a drought. Man, my kids are wayward. Man, the bump is back, and it might be cancer. Man, my, my, my life is falling apart. Man, my, my, my marriage is on the brink of divorce. Man, I feel so alone. Man, no one understands me. Man, the economy crashed, and everyone's getting the cold financially, and I've got the flu financially. And in those moments, we, for, we think that God has forgotten us, but God hasn't. in those very moments, in the shadow of the valley of death, so many times, Many times, God is the very one who says, I'm gonna wake you up and I'm gonna give you an unforgettable moment. I have not forgotten you. And Isaiah looks back and in this very hard moment, he says, The single greatest moment of my life happens. In the midst of tragedy, testimony rises up. He says, In the year King Uzziah died, in that year, listen to this, he says, I saw a speaker who wowed me with his ability to preach. He had an Australian accent, but we all knew he was faking it because he's from Nashville, y'all. Come on. Can we just say that out loud? Can we just say that Darren Whitehead is faking that accent? Because when you lack content, you gotta do something to make it. I'm I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just jealous. That's why I'm messing with him, all right? he's just so good. But but in all reality, isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the greatest set ever created for a summer series. In the year King Uzziah died, I heard the greatest preacher. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw this girl who could sing. In the year King Uzziah died, Chris Tomlin showed up at my church. And we weren't just singing his songs. He was leading his songs. No, none of that. In the year King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. How amazing would that be? How amazing would that be for us to walk away and not so much say that we saw the Lord's servants, but that we say through the Lord's servants as big arrows, we actually heard, we actually saw, we actually had a moment with God himself. Man, for us to never shoot lower than that. And Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. I saw him high and exalted seated on a throne the train of his robe filled the temple and above him were these seraphim each with six wings with two wings they covered their faces and with two wings they covered their feet and with two wings they were flying and they were calling out to one another holy 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 is the lord god almighty and the whole earth is full of his glory At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds begin to shake and the temple becomes filled with smoke. And like I said, one of the greatest orators of language, one of the greatest, you know, people in all of history to ever muster up two words put together or a bunch of them to create a sentence. One of the beautiful poet writers in all of history ends up simply looking at God and saying, whoa, woe to me. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So let's just back up and talk about this moment, this unforgettable moment in the life of Isaiah. Isaiah says it was in that tragic moment when I was just awakened, when I was desperate, when God showed up. I had this vision of God, and God was high, and he was exalted, and he was seated on a throne in the year where all of us were pacing, all of us were walking around. God was at ease. And in that moment, I had a vision of God, and around him were these seraphims. Now, you know what seraphims are, right? Seraphims are angelic beings with six wings, and they're not mistakes in the angel factory. It wasn't like God was visiting the angel factory one day and he was like, ooh, what are these weird things with six wings? And they were like, we forgot to stop the wing button, you know, and they just got too many. And God's like, I guess out of charity or pity they can hang out around me. No, these are angelic beings with six wings and they need every wing. With two, they're flying. There's the duh of the wings, right? And with two, they're covering their eyes because they're in the fully manifested presence of God. And with two, they're covering their feet because even though they're flying, they're on holy ground. How you like them apples, all right? And they're flying around God, and they're ascribing to God the one preeminent truth, the one primary reality, the one attribute that scatters, covers, and smothers every other attribute about God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, they're saying. And the whole earth is full of His glory. By the way, that's what they were saying, that's what they're saying right now, and that's what they're gonna to say tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. It is their full-time job. And they're ascribing to God this one reality about God. See, there's a lot of stuff about God that's true about God, right? God is loving. God is merciful. God is jealous, by the way. God is angry sometimes, by the way. God is, I know we don't, I don't, we don't like to talk about it. We just, we feel like it's the, it doesn't sell well. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't become something that, like, kinda of markets okay for a summer series. But the reality is that the God is slow to anger, but he's also a God who's angry. God is very much the, the, the very God of this universe who shows us what love is and defines love. But at the same time, he's also a God who's wrathful. But the reality about all of those things is some of those things we just see as a negative way of, uh, of describing God or something that we want to avoid God being because we feel like it's not user-friendly about a good God. But that's because so many times our jealousy is an unholy jealousy or our anger is an unholy anger or our wrath is a very fleshly wrath. But God's jealousy is a holy jealousy. God's wrath is a holy and a righteous and a perfect Anger and everything about God is about that one reality. See, God is love, but it never says in the scriptures, God is love, love, love. It never says in the scriptures, God is angry, angry, angry. It never says in the scriptures, God is wrath, wrath, wrath. It never says in the scriptures, God is merciful, merciful, merciful. But this is the one time when we see the ultimate attribute of God, not just brought it to us in 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 one moment, but in one reality, but to the third power. God isn't just holy, set apart, right? But he's holy, holy. But he's not just holy, holy. But he's holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah has this encounter with a holy, holy, holy God. And what's interesting, isn't it, is that in that moment where he is marked, in that moment where he has this encounter with a holy, holy, holy God, he recognizes how unholy, unholy, unholy he is without God. And one of the greatest men and all of history simply musters up woe. Woe. And that word woe actually means something. It means judgment. And it's actually the seventh time that it's come out of this man's mouth. But what's interesting is every other time Isaiah has rationed out a woe, every other time it has come out to pointing at someone else. Every other time, it's been like, woe to them, for they're not really living the way they should be living, and woe to them for the way they've come off the rails, basically, and woe to them, and woe to them, and then Isaiah has an encounter with God, and he's no longer pointing fingers at all the other people in the spirit of comparison. He's all of a sudden no longer saying, woe to them, and woe to them, and woe to them, but all of a sudden, he sees God, and in that moment, in reflection, he sees himself. And he's no longer saying, woe to them and woe to them and woe to them. He says, woe to me. Woe to me. For I am a man of unclean lips. That doesn't mean he discounts other people's sins. He goes, but I live among a people who've broken the heart of God as well. And what's interesting about that is that there's a certain word, and, 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 and like we're using on all of our different campuses here, uh, this idea, this the NIV, because uh, that's what I'm reading out of my iPhone here, but, but I don't know what version you've got with you, if you've got one with you today, but, uh, but, but it's interesting that his response in, in a view of God is simply, woe to me, I am ruined. If you're taking notes, unforgettable moments with God ruin us. Unforgettable moments with God bring us to the end of ourselves. That's what Paul says when he says, if anyone is in Christ, behold, the old has passed away. That's another way of saying dead. If, if anyone has ever had an encounter with God, whether it's a Damascus Road experience or it's an Exodus 3 moment where it's a burning bush moment or it's one of these right here, when man and God come together, it's not just unforgettable. It is absolutely devastating because when man and god collide man is left never ever the same ever the same anybody here want to have an unforgettable summer with god are you sure because god's agenda in giving you an unforgettable moment is to ruin your life put that in your pipe and smoke it And I know you're going, that doesn't sound very user-friendly. God wants to ruin my life. But let me just be clear. God doesn't want to ruin your life as if he's angry and he wants to destroy you and hurt you. God actually wants to ruin the old you and create in you a whole new you. God wants to ruin your bad reputation, your inconsistent reputation, and create a consistent reputation. The night I became a Christian, the first time I can ever look in my life and say, I actually saw God was when I was 18 and 2 months old. And there in my bedroom about 2 o'clock in the morning after all kinds of, just history, and after escaping from Iran when I was nine years old, and hating religion because I saw it destroy my country, and after all of these excuses, finally, as as a teenager, that night, in my bedroom, I saw God. I saw the gospel. I saw God for who He really was. I saw myself for who I really was, and I I remember as a sinner, looking at a magnificent Savior, and in that moment, can I just tell you, God ruined my life. He ruined my destiny. I was going to hell. He ruined it. Now I'm going going to heaven. I, nobody trusted me. Nobody trusted I was like a drug dealer, but I wasn't even a good drug dealer. Like half, half the pot I smoked was laced with basically like 50% oregano. I called it Italian weed, but it wasn't even real weed. I mean, I wasn't even an honest crook. And everything about me was about just inconsistencies and narcissism and everything about my life was headed towards the wrong direction. Praise God that he ruined my life. Praise God that he gave me a new life. Right? And you know what I mean. When I say that so much about us needs to be destroyed. As a matter of fact, if you have a different version, literally another version of Scripture says, another translation says, woe to me, I am destroyed. Another another translation says, woe to me, I am undone. Another version literally says, woe to me, I am funeralized. That is actually the, the closest to its original language. Another version literally says, woe to me, I am wrecked beyond repair and unforgettable moments with god wreck us beyond repair they're not just little bump ins that change our behavior they're they're wrecking ball moments that change our identity and we're never ever the same i was supposed to get picked up uh when i got here about eleven thirty today And I had a meeting, and so I I, I called Joey, who was gonna come pick me up, right before we was about to take off, and I said, hey Joey, if you don't mind, uh, I'm gonna pick up. Uh, a rental car because I have a meeting and uh, I'm going to be good. I've got all afternoon. I'm going to, I didn't want Joey to have to drive almost 45 minutes out of his way to take me to a meeting and then sit there during the meeting and get me back here, you know, by sound check and all that. And so I get a rental car, I I get on the highway. I, I am not kidding you when I say this, I get pulled over by a cop going 75 in a 70 and I am guilty, yes, by the airport. Thank you so much, all right? And I, and I wanna say one thing. I wanna say this right now. Like, I am guilty. I was speeding five miles over the speed limit, all right? But anyway, so I got a ticket. Y'all pray for me. Anyway, so, um, and then... Um, and then I, I get back on the road. I go to this meeting, you know, and, and because I was running late, the meeting went a little bit late. So, so even though I was late, I, I was like almost in my mind, I thought it's, it's worth, you know, it's worth like being a little, like speeding you a little bit, even if, I, if, it, if, it, if it endangers me. Because apparently around here, cops will stop you at five miles. But it's, it's worth it because I've got to get here on time. So I'm driving back and I'm, and I'm on the highway and I'm driving. And all of a sudden then I, I hear, this is like the weirdest afternoon. I hear this like noise in the rental cars, like woo 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 woo. And so I'm like, not again. You know, so I pull over and I've got a flat tire. And so, you know, I get out, you know, I'm just running late. And and, and so, you know, then I go to the back. This is a rental car, so I'm not like acclimated with where the tire is exactly and the jack. And so, you know, I'm I'm just getting everything out. I'm trying to be as fast as I can. And so I I get the tire off and and I'm coming around to get the, the back tire. And as I'm coming around, I hear this, this, this horn, and I look, and there's an 18-wheeler coming full speed around the bend, and I thought, this thing better turn a little faster, because it looks very close, like, to the car, but it doesn't turn faster, and then at about 75 miles an hour, the 18-wheeler nails me. It just hits me dead on. It, I, I, I go against the car. Me and the car go all the way across the median, and we hug a big pine tree, and then I, um, I called Joey, Joey got me here, I was about 10 minutes late, and so, it's crazy. Do you believe me? Why, is it because I'm from Iran? You're so racist, is it? I'm an American citizen by paperwork, Does that, do you believe me, do you believe me? Why, is it because I'm from Alabama? Come on! Come on, y'all! I'm not from Alabama. I live in Lynchburg now. I'm I'm always put on staff at Liberty. No, you know why you don't believe me? Because that's impossible, right? It is impossible it is impossible for me to have a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler and all it's done is it's made me a little tardy for the party, right? That's all it resulted in. It, it resulted in a little bump in and I've got a little story and I'll forget about it. Can I just say this to you? If I had a head-on 75 miles an hour, you know, like boom, an 18-wheeler took me and the and the car all the way across the median, I would never be the same. Would it be fair to say I would never forget it? Would it be fair to say it is impossible for that to happen and I'm simply 15 minutes late? All right? And, and I want to say this to you. Look at me. I want to say to you that, that it is impossible because it is so much bigger than a physical 18-wheeler that the spiritual God of this universe at a moment in your life and you had a collision called a salvation moment. And that the result of that has been, well, since I came to Christ, you know, I'm going to church once in a while. I'm not cussing as much as I used to. Well, good. <laughs> or once in a while, you know what I do? If the economy's really good and I'm feeling good and they've got something going on, like they're really buying a bunch of shoes for somebody and doing something great, I might throw a few bucks in the bucket. Like, I'm, there's just some different. How can you say that you've had an encounter with God, the God of this universe? that the God of this universe has come into your life and has saved you and all it has left you, all it has left you to be is a little bit different. Look at me, Christianity is not about cleanup. Christianity is not about bumping. Christianity is about the old you dying and a whole new you being born again. It is the death. If I had an 18-wheeler coming at me at 75 miles an hour, there'd be death. And it's so much bigger than that. The God of this universe saved me. You know what he saved me from? Myself. You know what he saved me from? The old me. You know what he created? A whole new me. And Isaiah says, man, I had this encounter with God. If you're going, well, how do I know if I've had that? Maybe mine wasn't as traumatic as yours. Maybe I didn't come from a Muslim background like you did, David. How do I? It, it might have been an 18 wheeler type gospel, or it might have been a slow draw, cyanide, you know, like kind of, kind of like, you know, like all of a sudden, like a, a poisonous thing that slowly kills you. But ultimately, the result is the same. If you and God have collided, the old you is gone. A whole new you is walking around. And here's how you know it you know you've been wrecked by the gospel. You know you've been wrecked by the gospel when you become a wrecking ball for the gospel. You know you've had an unforgettable moment with God when you become unstoppable as a movement for God. A few years ago, I was at this event And uh, I get to the event, and I'd been warned about this one particular student who was going to be at the event. The youth pastor had called me before and said, David, when we get to this event, there's going to be a teenager, and he's going to sit in the front row, and he's going to try to be the biggest distraction to you he can possibly be. He said, David, you need to leave him alone. He said, his dad is a sugar daddy at our church. I'll be honest with you and tell you, he writes the biggest tithe check, has basically paid for half our sanctuary. So I've got to let this kid come to camp or I wouldn't even let him come to camp because he always tries to mess with everybody, including the camp pastor. But he said, this is his senior year. He is last year to come to the camp. He said, David, just leave him alone when you get there. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, I don't know who they've had for camp pastors, but I'm from Iran. I'm going jihad on this dude. All right, so, you know, I get to the camp. And there are like 500 teenagers there. I'm not preaching to anybody but him. He's sitting in the front row. And I'm like, some of you tonight might need Jesus. I'm like doing everything by putting a lighter under his chin going, it's hot in hell, baby. Come on home. And nothing, nothing has happened. First day, nothing. Second day, nothing. Third day, nothing. We get to the last full day of camp. And the last full day of camp, you know, we get there in the morning. And he's just telling everybody how this is the last day you'll ever be forced Now that he's getting his cap and gown, you know, to have to come to Christian events. This is his last day. He's so excited. And he's telling everybody how Christians are weak. And he hates Christianity. And I can just hear him. He's saying it really loud because he's very insecure and wants everybody to hear it, like to get attention. And then so we we finished the last morning session. And as everybody was leaving, uh, I turned the mic back on. I go, hey, can I get all the counselors just to come forward for just a minute? So all these counselors come to the front, and I said, hey, we know from what this young man keeps telling everybody that this is his very last event that he's ever gonna come to to hear the gospel. This is his last day. So does anybody have any ideas how to reach out to him? So this is our last time. And then this one lady goes, well, we know where he always sits. He sits right in the front row so he can be distracting. Why don't we cover his seat with prayer? She goes, we'll just take 10-minute intervals. We'll all sign up for shifts and pray for him. And I was like, that's great. And this other lady goes, why don't we anoint his seat with oil? And, uh, you know, like, we didn't have any, like, I, I, don't, I don't know about your theology. I don't, I don't normally carry oil. Like, the only oil we had at this camp was some, like, Mazzola from the kitchen, you know, or whatever. So uh, I was like, does anybody have oil? So the lady who suggested it, she was like, I always have oil. You know how there's always that lady? And she always have a, has a Bible, a tambourine, and some oil. That lady, all right? So her husband doesn't have the oil because he can't carry it because how else would he juggle his shofar? That, that lady, all right? So, so, that, so, so she, she's like, I've got an oil. And so I'm like, great. And so, you know, so she anoints the seat with oil. Honestly, it was, an you know, all kidding aside, it was amazing. And so we, we pray over the seat. We, we ask God to save this young man and we get to the last night of camp. I preached this message, it was amazing. It was on humility. I'm, I'm just kidding, I don't remember. Anyway, so I preached this message and I, and I preached the gospel and then during the invitation, he stands up like he's gonna, he's gonna make a decision for the Lord and he looks at me and he flicks me the bird and he starts skipping out to the back of the room. Don't shoot the messenger, I'm just telling you what he did. So he goes out to the back and the youth pastor's looking at me like, I told you, and he was right. It ruined camp for me, it, it, was, it was horrible. I know God does it. I know it's his timing. But you ever ever have someone that you know, that you love, that doesn't love Jesus, and you just want them to love Jesus? So I go home the rest of the weekend. You know, I'm I'm home. I'm just depressed, like thinking about this young man. Next Monday, I get to work in our ministry office, and this youth pastor from the week before has just been ringing up the phone all morning trying to get a hold of me. My assistant says, I've had nine phone calls in the last 15 minutes. This guy keeps calling every 30 seconds. He needs to talk to you. I call him. I go, bro, are you okay? He goes, I got to tell you what happened. He goes, I know you were very devastated about this young man. He goes, let me tell you. He goes, man, you left early. You got on a, a, a car that got to, to the airport and you left. But we had a four-hour drive from campsite to the church. And he said, man, we are all loading up that next morning. And nobody wants to sit with this guy on any of the buses. They have like five buses chartered. He said, man, he's getting on buses and people are like, Saved. He gets on another bus, people like seat saved. Nobody wants to be stuck with this guy who's so mean, except the back of like the last bus has this one teenager in it. And he's waiting for this guy. It's like, unlike everybody else, he's like, Hey man, you can come sit with me if you want to. And he sits with him. And this guy has decided campaign over yet, baby. I got four hours with you. And for the next four hours, this guy is just sharing the gospel. He's like, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but him. Jesus, you know, he became sin who knew no sin. I mean, he's just, he just, he just sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. I mean, this guy is like, they're stopping to go to the bathroom, he's following him to the bathroom. He's like, he needs to flush your heart out. I mean, this guy <laughs> is relentless. And the youth pastor telling me this. He goes, David, for like four and almost almost four hours, this guy's just sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel. He said, and the guy that's just been, you know, subjected to it finally just blows a gasket. He goes, Leave me alone. He goes, We're like 15, 20 minutes away from the church parking lot. And the guy just loses it in the bus. He goes, Leave me alone. And the other guy's like, I'll leave you alone if you'll just give me two minutes and listen to me. And the other guy goes, I've been listening to you. He goes, No, you haven't. You've been hearing me, but you haven't been listening. He goes, listen to me for, for two minutes. And if you listen to me for two minutes, I'll leave you alone. And the guy goes, okay, I will listen to you for two minutes. Go. By the way, can you imagine you're sitting in front of these people and you've been hearing this whole thing play out? And now this guy's saying, I'll listen. You know what you're doing? You're praying and you're tapping people that are sitting in front of you in the bus, telling them, you need to be praying. And they're tapping people in front of them, going, you need to be praying. And they're tapping people in front of them, saying, you need to be praying. They're tapping the bus driver and he's praying and he's probably getting on his walkie talkie with other bus. Breaker 19, y'all need to be praying. You know that's going on, right? <laughs> So, man, this guy starts to share the gospel with this guy. This guy starts to tell him, man, I don't know what you've seen, but you got to stop looking at Christians that let you down or inconsistency of God's representation. you got to look to Christ. Jesus loves you just the way that you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Jesus lived a perfect life and then died a sinner's death on your behalf. He's the great substitute, and he loved you long before you've ever loved him. He's given his life for you. And listen, man, he, they put his body in a tomb, and then they went to check on the tomb, and he was empty. And that rest resurrection power is afforded to you. And the guy looks at him and goes, how come no one's ever shared this with me? When I heard this on the phone, I was like, that's what I did all week. (laughs) But honestly, the takeaway on that is that is exactly how it works. Like no one has the power to speak into someone more than someone who does life with that person. I mean, at the end of the day, Darren Whitehead can come here and wear spanks and look skinny and, and try to be cool with his accent. I don't know if he wears Spanx. I'm just putting that out there as a prayer request. Anyway, but... but <laughs> He's never going to have, right, the influence that you will if you live or you work at the cubicle next to the very person you're trying to reach. And, man, this guy gives his life to Christ. The youth pastor telling me this. I just start weeping on the phone. He goes, let me tell you what happened next. He goes, the guy becomes a Christian on Friday. He goes, man... Everybody's excited. He goes, the next day, 24 hours later, the guy that led him to the Lord and the guy that became a Christian, they go hang out together at a movie theater. He said, they're sitting in this movie theater. Remember, this guy's been a Christian for one day. And he said, and they're watching the movie previews. And during about the second or third movie preview, he said, while they're sitting there, the movie projector breaks down. Remember when the old projectors, like the bulb would get the film hot and it would just melt? And he said, and as soon as that happens, this guy that's been a Christian for one day looks at his friend and goes, hey man, what do you think God just broke this projector? I think he's trying to tell us something. You ever meet people like that? Every little thing that happens, they feel like God's trying to tell them something. Like they'll run out of gas and they're like, God's trying to, yeah, he's trying to tell you to get more gas. He's trying to, anyway, so. So this guy's like, I think God's trying to tell us something. And this other guy that's been a Christian for a long time goes, what do you think he's trying to tell us? And the other guy goes, well, you're the professional Christian. I mean, you, you know more than me. Maybe since God knows everything, God knows that we're in here in this theater as two Christians, and uh, maybe he's broken the projector so that he can give us a chance to witness to all these people in this theater. And this other guy goes, look, bro, like you said, I've been a Christian for a long time. I know the signs. This is definitely not the witness of the theater sign. Just chill out. And as he says that, the projector starts back up again. And the guy looks at his buddy and goes, I'm so glad you stopped us from embarrassing ourselves. If God wanted us to witness to everybody, he would have pr- pr- you know, kept the broken projector broken longer, right? And as he's saying that, the projector breaks again for the second time. And this guy just stands up. Stands up. Excuse me, excuse me, comes and stands in front of the entire movie theater. Uh, excuse me, I want to take these few seconds while they're fixing the projector to say that yesterday I became a Christian. My buddy back there led me to the Lord. Stand up. His buddy's like, how y'all doing? sits back down. And this guy starts to witness to the entire movie theater and says, hey, I want to tell you what Jesus has done in my life. I mean, yesterday he saved me and I'm never going to be the same. And if you want to talk to me about God and me and my friend, we'll be out back by the popcorn machine after this movie. And as I'm hearing this, I thought, wow, here's a guy that 24 hours before was avoiding the gospel like immigration. Well, that doesn't make sense to you, but you know what I'm saying, right? And then 20, 24 hours later, he's gone from a guy who wanted to have nothing to do with Jesus to becoming a guy who's an ambassador for Jesus. What does that mean? That means when your life is unforgettably wrecked by God, you become unstoppable for God. Because he is too good to keep to yourself. Can we pray together just where we are? And can I just ask you a simple question? In all of our different campuses, can I just ask you a really simple question? Not do you go to church? Not do you sing Christian songs? Not are you involved in a community? Those are all great things, but has there ever been a moment in your life when you have been wrecked by the gospel? That God brought you to the end of you and a whole new you was born again? And then from that moment on, from that unforgettable moment on, have you become a movement, an unstoppable movement for his renown. God wants to do that very work in your life. Maybe the reason that you have no interest in making him known is because you don't know him. Maybe the reason you're not a wrecking ball is because you've never been wrecked by him. You see, saved people save people. Marked people become markers for the glory of God. And if you've never in your life trusted Christ, if you've never said, I bring my entire life over to you, killed the old and created in me a whole new me. I don't need a touch up. I don't need a clean up. I need the old me gone. See, Christianity is not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people becoming alive. And it begins with the death of the old. If that's never happened, we want to give you an opportunity in this very moment in this very moment, to come and, and just consider Christ and say, I'm yours. I'm yours. If you'll just reach in front of you and grab, uh, write that little connect card that's attached to the bulletin that they gave you on your way in. There's an opportunity for us in all of our different congregations, and all of our different campuses to, to have a conversation. Honestly, it's a bit of a pen pal relationship kind of thing with with God and and taking that connect card and just filling out some of the information and just saying, God, today, today I wanna connect with you. But I realized connecting with you for the first time for real would be for me to come and give my life over to you and it's more than just a little bump in. It's it's the destruction of the old and the construction of the new. And I wanna give you an opportunity right now just to, to tear that out and just to fill it out And maybe on your way out, whether it's at the information center or it's on one of the baskets or little things that they have in the back end, they can just drop it in. And and what we would love to do past that is to come alongside of you and and celebrate with you what God's doing in your life tonight, this morning. If you, in this very moment, say, man, I, I would love to talk to someone, I want you to know that we have a prayer team that's available to you as well. And as soon as we're done, in all of our different congregations, there's an opportunity for you to come to Zursa front and our prayer team will be available and they'd love to talk to you about what it looks like for you to surrender your life over to Christ. Maybe you already know the Lord, but you're saying, man, today, at this very moment, God has given me a real burden to be a, a person who's a movement for him and, and they could pray over you and, 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 and trust the Lord to do a great work in and through your life. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the work of the gospel. Thank you that God, unforgettable moments lead to unstoppable movements and movements are about people, a changed people who become change agents. We pray that God, for those in this very community who do not know you in this very moment who hear that word, that there would be conviction and conviction would lead to surrender. We love you, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you so much for being a part
0: of this week.